Hey, welcome to the latest episode of Shit We Don't Talk About, powered by Helix Interactive. My guest is Mallory Erickson, executive coach, fundraising consultant, and host of the podcast, What the Fundraising? And we're going to dish on some things that are not talked about enough in the world of, you guessed it, fundraising. Tune in. You'll learn a lot. Here we go. Hi, Mallory. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to let you just run with this and tell us what is shit we don't talk about with fundraising. I think there's there's got to be a lot of topics people don't talk about. And one, I found you because I was investigating or doing all my Googling for my shame podcast. Mm. You came up talking with Jen Pasteloff about shame. And then I was like, wait, who's this? <laughs> like, let's talk to Mallory about what we don't know about fundraising. And then I think I might've told you right before that I did a podcast about when helping doesn't help. Mm. And that one, we got into some fundraising, what to do's and what not to do just because I'm, I'm here in Colorado and we recently had that terrible fire and it really quickly devastated. I mean, over a thousand homes were lost in a very mm. concentrated area and so I was seeing how people were responding to it and being going, mm, that's not it. <laughs> so I know you probably have some things to say about that as well. So let her rip. <laughs> um, well, first of all, thank you for having me again and for just providing a container to talk about sort of all the things that we don't talk about. I really, I really appreciate it. And I, you know, I think fundraising, there's so many facets facets of the stuff that we don't talk about. A lot of what I focus on in my work is like, what do we not talk about sort of inside the sector? Or what do we not talk about as fundraisers ourselves? Like I spent 13 years fundraising and didn't think I was allowed to say, this makes me uncomfortable. Or I feel super awkward when I'm meeting with a donor or asking for money makes me want to throw up. Um, <laughs> all those things. All the things, right? And so there's like that piece of it. There's like the, what are the things that we're not sort of saying out loud inside the sector about how hard this is or how much kind of vulnerability and fear is triggered in the everyday practice of fundraisers. Like there's so much burnout. There's so much turnover inside the nonprofit sector, particularly for fundraisers. And there's, in my opinion, not enough conversation about like so much of, of that is because of the emotional drain of like rejection and shame and all of these other pieces, because, you know, here it is tied up in the movement of money. Women historically have been told they're not allowed to talk about money. It's inappropriate to talk about money. And then 75% of the nonprofit sector are women identifying. So here they are being asked to talk about money all day, every day with no conversation around the fact that it's totally normal if that makes you feel uncomfortable. And that's actually something to work through. You don't need actually a def different fundraising plan. You might not even need different fundraising software. You might not need these other things. What we need is to talk about the root cause of what's holding us back, which is this piece. So there's like the internal piece. And then there's all the stigma around fundraising and money movement from folks outside of the sector for fundraisers. Like so many times throughout my career, 
you know, I, I mean, I would even say so many fundraisers don't even say they're fundraisers. Like, you know, it's like why we have, oh, I'm in development or I'm in nonprofit leadership or, you know, like, because right. when we say I'm a fundraiser, what we hear is, oh my God, I could never do that. Oh my God. So you ask people for money. I could never ask people to give me their money. Like sure. there's just so much there's so much there. So maybe I'll just start there and you can tell me kind of which direction we should go. Oh, those are so <laughs> many good threads to pull on. And, and and I'm looking at it from the person that does a lot of volunteer work. Mm. And like I said, even, even from the outside. And so I am constantly looking, and, and that was why I did that episode too, of, of helping people to ask the right questions, to find the right place where your time and effort will be best used. Mm. Right. We've all volunteered with places where it's a hot ass mess, a shit mm. show, uh, a taker. Mm. Um, you know, there's so many different things that have happened where you find out that all the money was donated. It didn't go anywhere. Go fund me mm. disasters and so forth. So I sit on that side of it. So I love hearing about all these different aspects to it. I just want to, to go back to what you were saying too, about the, oh, this juxtaposition, this, this clash of, um, it's mainly women, but yet we're not even traditionally talking about money. And there's so much shame based on that too. So, and then the boundaries piece too is huge as well of, you know, what of asking of, of the ask. And I want to throw this in there. I'm watching the show called the Gilded Age. I think it's on HBO Max and it's, it's just so intriguing and, and fun. And they, and this latest episode, they had a bunch of ladies in upper crust, New York, about a hundred years ago, having these, these, uh, found these meetings where, you know, you, you put out all the goods on the table and, mm -hmm. and all of them are coming in. Of course, it's all just a bunch of rich white ladies. <laughs> so there's that too. And, and they're looking down upon these mm. poor foundlings and these poor orphans and the, the underprivileged. Mm. So let's talk about it from both sides. One of the mm. work that you do, because I think that's something that me as the every wool man needs mm. to understand of, of what the, the struggles are mm. in that fundraising piece. So that more lends itself obviously to your coaching and how you got into this. Talk about some of the, I guess, more of the pain points of what people go through in working in that sector since there's such an, a turnover too. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like even, you know, it's been so interesting, like the more I talk about it, especially with folks outside of the sector, they're like, oh, I never really considered like how, what I hear, like yeah. what in an emotional like job that much be, it must be, or how hard of a job that must be, or, you know, and people, sometimes people will say, oh no, like it, it can't be like, like that bad. And I'm like, well, how many times have you crossed the street from a canvasser? How many times have you pretended to be on a phone call when you've been walk, walking by someone with a clipboard? Okay. Like you want to tell me it's not all about rejection. We've all done that. Like we've right. all done that. And so there's so many layers of that, you know, that come up. And I think for women in particular, first of all, asking in general for women in particular is much harder yeah. for anything. And then to be in a job where you are causing discomfort to someone else because they might may not be good with their boundaries or they've been burned by something. Oh my gosh, that's a tough yeah. one. Yeah. Well, that's something I would say, like, I think a lot of people, a lot of fundraisers overestimate the discomfort they're causing for other people, oh. because I actually think, I think this is something we don't talk about enough either, which is that people love to give, like people love to give. And there is this sort of like feeling around fundraising that it's like, 
you're begging people to do something they don't want to do. You know, you're hounding people to give something away that they don't want to give away. But the data actually suggests something totally different, which is Hmm. that people get a dopamine hit when they're giving. Oftentimes it converts to serotonin, which is like in, you know, memory, identity, belonging Mm -hmm. are like core human desires. So like what a beautiful thing donating is and giving is, and the movement of money towards our values is like what an incredible thing, but instead because of just money in general and all the like feelings we have about it, when we should talk about it, when we should not talk about it, you know, all those different things, all the kind of stigma around money, the stigma around asking or needing anything. And like that sort of being mixed in with, I like one day I will actually produce this, but I constantly see things in the media that like kind of talk down about fundraising or nonprofits. Like it's just constant TV shows, Mm -hmm. movies, little things here and there. And I'll always like record them on my phone and just be like fundraising in the wild. And I think like, we just don't, we don't realize how much we're sort of inundated with some of these negative stereotypes. You know, you gave that great example from the show, right? Like we see images like that all the time, but inside the sector, we're trying, we're trying to change those things. Like the historical nature of philanthropy the sort of like tax loophole, the like rich white people at their country club, checking boxes for each other, just giving their friends money. So their friends will give them money back and forth. And like, and, and really philanthropy being a vehicle to continue to control money outside of their, of, you know, the work that they're doing and control organizations and control impact, all of those things I really see shifting inside mm. the sector, but all the stigma around them still exists. And, and many of the archaic structures still exist, but I think as we see this like wave of sort of growth of like grassroots movements of we're seeing incredible statistics around the number of donors growing, the number of small gifts growing, like people want to be involved, I think now more than ever in Mm -hmm. creating the world they want to see. And so like, how do we like break through that ceiling of sort of this like negative impression of the job and of the thing and all the things when actually, when you like dig under there, like, this is awesome. Yeah. And I can see too, you, you, that I I'm thinking in terms of there's two pieces you're talking about. You're talking about the big corporate funding, right. That Mm. you see of uh, even like on PBS, you know, brought to you by, and and then there's, Mm -hmm. you know, all these different organizations. And then there's that grassroots piece you just mentioned as well, where it's the, the, the small person. And, And let's talk about both of those two, because I, I know for myself being that that small mm. person trying to decide where I might want my money to go, mm. um, that's a that's a great point too. That there there are different ways that that fundraising can go as well. So the corporate piece too, um, and it was interesting. I was listening to uh, Shakurat. Mm. Oh my gosh, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the gal that was uh, two mm. episodes before uh, that's working in DC in education. And, you know, she's definitely talking about the the questions that get asked. And I'm assuming it was more on a corporate level Mm. of of the hoops that they want organizations Mm. to jump through to say, you have to do it my way as opposed Mm. to, and I love the point that she made. And again, I'll put a show notes in here. One of the the points she made in her conversation is that um, rather than asking you to jump through hoops to to say to and, and have them tell you this is how you should do it, you're coming to them with your as an organizer, as a fundraiser, somebody in the community with the solution already. Mm. I don't need to rework this shit. 
I just want you to fund it and not make me jump through hoops. That's got to be a frustrating Mm. shit we don't talk about. Oh my God. I mean, the paternalistic nature of the nonprofit sector is definitely not something being talked about enough. And that is rooted in the history of the nonprofit sector, the creation of the nonprofit sector, sort of like the old school philanthropy model, right? The like, we know best to like fix these problems Mm. for you people over there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's like, we see this when you look at like school boards, for example, like school boards are often not representative at all of the population that the school Mm -hmm. board serves. What does that tell us? That we white people think we know better than the community inside that school about how to run that school? And what does that mean? Like on so many levels. Sure. Are that we're that we're saying that, that we're stating that, that we're taking those school board seats. So I think there is, there's a lot there. Denver, I have to give Denver a shout out, Denver School Board. There's there's a, a lot of strife and upheaval and of course, this conversation has two pieces to it as well. There's pre-pandemic mm. and then there's pandemic when it comes mm. to fundraising. But I want to give a shout out to, to Denver. They're really working on, uh, there's there's a school board director, Tay Anderson. He's probably one of the youngest in the country. And I know there's there's always some controversy around people, mm. but this, this guy, I think he's maybe 21 or 22 now. And so he is making a difference in our community as well. And it's starting to look a lot more, it's taking a lot of work a mm. lot, a lot more like what the community is like. So the representation piece is there too, but yeah, from, from the, from the corporate side and the patriarchy and the, the patern, I like that too, paternalistic. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, and that's coming from corporate partners sometimes, although I'm seeing corporate partners adjust much faster than foundations. I mean, I think on the corporate, okay, on wow. the corporate side, we're seeing this huge rise in ESG funding, environmental social governance capital. So companies really, you know, sort of thinking about the way they provide value in a different way and sort of mm. taking that step back and looking about what does it look like for us to be global citizens. And so I, I'm watching them in many cases do a better job of like following the leadership of nonprofit leaders foundations and just the way that grant funding and grant reporting works in general is so like, it just, it really is so paternalistic oh, and hoop jumping. And yeah. Yeah. ESG. And like, I was like, what is that? <laughs> we're all wasting so much time, you know? And then it also, I think just really reinforces this like scarcity mindset, you know, individual giving is the biggest amount of money out there. Like really? Yes. Yes. But we all like think it's like foundations and grants and all this stuff. And, and that's because I think the narrative that they imprint on us, like controls so much of how we operate inside the sector. The reality is, is like individuals for most organizations make up the majority of their like money and they're their community, like they should be their community. And so, um, you know, I think like what you were saying in terms of like the individual donors experience and how do you figure out like who you're the most aligned with or what's the change you want to see in the world? Mm -hmm. Like, it's about finding out who's, who's doing that, like who's already doing that, right? Like, don't, please don't go start another nonprofit. (laughs) I I was just, I was going to ask you about that. And I, I love what not to do. So feel free to, to throw any of those in there and, and, and pro tips, just the tips. I like to say for, for anybody that's one thinking about 
uh, getting into the nonprofit world, how you give your money, who you give your money to. And it was interesting. One, one cool thing that, that I saw, uh, I was doing travel blogging before the, all this mm. craziness. And my last big trip was to uh, Cape Town, uh, to South Africa and Zimbabwe. And I went with local folks as well. So that was the really cool thing. My, my caveat when I was invited was, please, I do not want to be a bunch of just really sad photo op white ladies throwing paper towels at people <laughs> or, you know, posing and the whole thing. I won't do it. Don't ask me. I'm not going if that's what mm-hmm. it's going to be. But what was wonderful was, was getting involved of going on the tours with the community. The presenters were the community people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that was the thing that I saw too. They all collaborated with each other. There were a lot of organizations uh, in uh, Victoria Falls and then with Wange Park, uh, where we toured that they were all working together, not mm. starting all these new things, which when you think about all the effort that it takes just from an organizational standpoint, mm. an administrative standpoint, right, of running the thing, figuring out how to run the thing. Mm. So that is such a great takeaway. Take and I saw it in person of of collaboration rather mm. than starting a new one, which to me sounds can sound ego-based as well. Totally. And that's mm-hmm. another thing. I'm so glad you said that, that I would just like say to anyone who's listening and, you know, gives their money or their time or mm-hmm. any of those things is like, is sort of back to, um, you know, the episode you were referencing around trust the nonprofit leadership, like look for the organizations where you feel value aligned, mission aligned, like where do you want to if you could change the world in any way, how would you change it? And find the organizations that are deeply committed to doing that in a way that you believe that believe in, and then give them unrestricted funding and do not ask them exactly what their money was spent on. Because like when you buy a sweater or when you buy a pair of glasses, you are not asking that company to break down everything that went into those glasses arriving on your doorstep or however. And onto your face. That's right. They're on your face. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. We're like, I want those glasses and, and we believe in the the company to deliver that product to us. Believe in the process. Yes, exactly. And we don't try to micromanage them. We don't say, oh, well, like you could have given that to me for $10 cheaper if you used a different, you know, carrier. (laughs) Like we we could never do that to a company, but we do stuff like that to nonprofits all the time. And so I think recognizing like this is about trusting leadership to take risks, to iterate. Like if we're going to solve the biggest problems of our time, people need to test things. Like we need to try new things. Guess what? That means sometimes things are going to fail. And that is super important learning too. If we want to solve these problems, we have to know what doesn't work. And so when we as donors get way too caught up in like, you know, the efficiency of every dollar, meaning that there's no failure, we are just leading to this mediocre sector that is not taking any risks out of fear of disappointing you when what I think you really want donor is to see these problems eradicated. Oh, good rant. Not rant. <laughs> I'll get out oh, that my was, soapbox. <laughs> no, it was really perfect. That's exactly what I think people need to hear. Whole reason why I do this show too, if it's shit we don't talk about, but we need to know, we need transparency on that. And I, I just had this image of like somebody, you know, holding a dollar and going, uh, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Like, fuck straight off with that. 
Seriously. Of course, my show is explicit, folks. You know that. I always wear headphones when I when I'm talking. Because it's it just, it's exactly like that of like stop making people jump through hoops, trust the process. Let me ask you this just to help people come up with some other things. Like what what do you suggest that they do to uh, to look for in an organization so that they just like, like maybe some, not necessarily red, you know, green flags and red flags mm. that they look for so that they're not over there. Just, oh my God, the, the, the emotional and the, the time labor to answer these mm. questions. So help us be better consumers in that way. What do you, what do you think be Ooh. some ways we could do that? That's such a good question. I mean, I think I I think the first step actually would be take some time with like personal self-reflection, you as the donor, because I think sometimes what happens is we enter into a conversation with the nonprofit sort of too early, perhaps. And we, we do force them to like help us figure out what we're really looking to do and the impact we're really looking to make. And then that does take a lot of time if there isn't clear alignment. So I think the very first thing is for you to do a little bit of sort of value and visioning work yourself to say like, Mm. what are my biggest values? What what is the impact I want to make with my philanthropy? And I just want to say, if you're giving $10 a month, that's your philanthropy. Like this is not just about like, you know, you know, people who are giving 5,000, 10,000, $100,000 a year. Like I think everyone, when, when money movement feels good, it's when it's in alignment with our values. So think about like, what are your values? What's the impact you want to make? And then do a little Googling. Like if you're like, oh, well, if I could solve any problem in my community, or maybe answer this question, if you could wave a magic wand and see three things solved for in the world around you, what would they be? Good one. Oh, I like that. Pause this episode, write those down, you know, or come back to that question later. And then start to do some Googling on like mm-hmm. who is solving those things. Watch some YouTube videos, watch a recorded speech of their executive director. What like see what, what is out there that they're already doing, right? Like kind of do that research. And then they will likely also on their website tell you the different ways to get involved, you know, what, what their fundraising does, what it helps capacitate within their organization. Um, and then make an intentional investment. And if they have a monthly giving option, become a monthly donor. Ooh, why is that? I know why, but you tell me. (laughs) Well, I think there's a few reasons from a donor's perspective. I love monthly giving. That is how I do all of my own personal giving. I think it's awesome to be reminded every month of my values and intentions around um, like investment in these organizations. So I really love seeing that like deduction on my mm-hmm. um, like credit card every month. I think it's a really great way to like keep those values top of mind for you. as yeah, Every month you also. go, Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, and it, it does. It's like, it's great. And it's, you know, I mean, I think anything that keeps um, like your consciousness around these issues primed is awesome. And monthly giving is a great way to do that. Also monthly giving, like many organizations have monthly giving programs where you get some additional information about what's happening, or, you know, it can create a a deeper sense of community and belonging, which we all want more of in our life. So there's that component. And then from the, the organizational perspective, it's sustainability. You know, it's just like having something you can count on recurring donations. Um, You know, it's a really nice financial model for an organization, but I kind of wanted to go heavy on like the 
the donor benefit first. Cause I, I, my guess is it's not super inspiring to people necessarily to be like, okay, like that, that's that helpful. So I'll do it that way. And so I just really want folks to understand it's better for you too. Um, thank you. I love that because I was going with the, the, I knew the last piece (laughs) it's budgeting, right? I mean, can you imagine if you, if your, your employer, your job was like, I'm not sure I might pay you this month. How are you going to budget? Yes. So I, and I, I love that. And and you're so right. Thank you for that reminder. I'll, I'll bring up one specifically. It's called Long Hope's Donkey Sanctuary here in, mm. in Colorado. And they, um, there's one specifically, she's a very tall donkey she, and her name is Tanzania. And so they, they fashion pants for her. And so they send me a picture and I've, 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 she's my monthly gal. So they send me a picture every month in Tanzania and her different pants and like that just, I mean, talk about the rush, the buzz, the dopamine, whatever. I'm like, Tanzania, pants, I hope that. And it just, it, and they're so, so, so good. And I think mm. that's something to look forward to is what you get from them that, that doesn't take a lot of labor. You don't want them to, I mean, that takes time and effort too. Mm. I, I do enjoy a lot of the places though, that, that do a lot of Instagram stories or reels mm. that are super fun. And you can tell that that's what they that lights them up to share. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I get when I see one of the, they have these little containers of applesauce, they just open it up and it's such an ASMR of this donkey eating the applesauce. Oh. Like, I'm just there for it. So there's yeah. your, your rush, but such a good reminder of, of this give and take of, of energy that mm-hmm. can occur when it, and, and, and it's all, there's altruism to it too. But again, this exchange of energy rather than it just being the icky of money or, mm-hmm the other piece of maybe that it's not being run well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, yeah, yes. No, that's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. Share some other, maybe some more what not to do's. I love this or just mm. any kind of things that you don't think people know about fundraising. And again, the boundary piece I know is, is such a huge one. So knowing that, that there have been some discomfort and I'm, I so appreciate that you're out there in the world helping people to feel better about this very important piece of society. Mm, Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, if you are not interested in supporting an organization anymore or ever make that clear, save everyone time and do it in a compassionate way. You know, I think there's, um, so often with our money stories or things that make us uncomfortable, we then project our discomfort onto other people. And so as a fundraiser, I did experience a lot of really mean emails back or, um, Mm. you know, just people's own stuff. And I experienced it as a business owner too. I had something happen recently. I'll just share this little story because I had something happen recently where it was my birthday. So I was giving a big discount on my course. I sent out an email with the discount and, um, the God, someone wrote me back and said, this is just another slimy sales tactic or something. And I wrote back to the guy and then I ended up posting my reply publicly, like none of his information. But mm-hmm. the thing that I said to the guys, I said, you know, honestly, actually 
I've never given a discount like this to my course. It's at such a discount that I'm not actually even making money on the course. It's like a super special thing for my birthday. I was like, but I didn't actually feel the need to put all of that in my initial email because I don't think selling something is bad. Just like I don't think fundraising is bad. I think when money moves to solve problems and in line with our values, it's actually a really wonderful thing. And I was like, but I understand that it it seems like you have perhaps some unexamined beliefs about money that, that are coming out in this circumstance. And I would really encourage you to explore that because it's deeply linked to the barriers you're experiencing fundraising. And, you know, I mean, and, and really like wished him the best of luck. And I say all of that from someone who was like right in his shoes. Like I never sent that email back to anyone, but I felt those things. I felt those things, you know, like, oh, like that's just like a uncomfortable, slimy, you know, thing. And Mm. so much of what we feel about money is not actually related to what the other person does, but related to what we, our thoughts and our beliefs and our money stories from our history, which runs so deep. And so I think for everyone, the other sort of not to do is like, don't like project your money beliefs on everybody else. Um, (laughs) Wow. And and own them, you know? And so like, if your fundraiser is reaching out to you, like they deserve your kindness and your respect. And what I wish people would say to fundraisers when they are not interested in supporting a cause is, you know, this is not the cause that is aligned with my, my like deepest values or where I want to focus my energy or money. But thank you so much for doing this work, for being the courageous person to find the right people for you. Like, thank you so much for doing this work. And that is just not what fundraisers hear. Like what they get are like angry emails or like please unsubscribe me from this list. And it's like, you guys, the unsubscribe button has been at the bottom of this email forever. You just did that to like be mean. Like that's just mean. We all know where the unsubscribe button lives. Like there's no more excuse around that. So, you know, and so it's like, keep that to yourself. Be kind to these people who are responsible. I mean, I see fundraisers as like the unsung heroes in so many ways who are moving money to address the causes that we all want to see solved. We sit there, we complain about society in so many ways. I mean, it's so interesting. Like we watched in 2020, this huge new awareness around racial justice. Who's been who's been addressing racial justice for a long time, right? Communities, the nonprofit sector, and fundraisers have been moving money to make a lot of progress happen. Environmental and climate change. People are just kind of waking up. Guess who's been moving money to address those issues for decades? Fundraisers. Like these people deserve such recognition for their contributions. And instead, what they get is a lot of really snide comments. Woo. So many good mic drops. Thank you. I thought I'm going to cut that up into segments because you address so many things that is shit we don't talk about. Thank you. Thank you for that. Because a lot of times there's guesswork and you're totally right about the projecting on the money, which let me just give you a little kudos on how well you handled that because, and then posting it, that helps people understand. Now, I wish I could, I aspire to be that gracious in the answering. (laughs) I'll just say that. And so I'm usually like, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I empathize because yes. that was me too. You know, like yes. when I was so uncomfortable as a fundraiser, that's beautiful. The, one of the big things that changed my fundraising was looking at how I was spending money. And I was like, oh, 
I'm like spiraling around how I'm spending money about X, Y, and Z. Is there any way that they, that there are beliefs tied to that behavior that are related to why I feel so uncomfortable inviting people to invest in my organization? Oh, it's the same belief. <laughs> Inside job. Inside job is. party people. It really, yeah, night times out of 10. And then yeah. there's that other time that also right. is the inside job too. <laughs> wow. So many good mic drops. Thank you. So tell me about your podcast and your coaching business and what you do, because I really want people to know where to find you because I, your podcast is fantastic. So I'm going to put that in the show notes too. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So my podcast is called what the fundraising, um, <laughs> which feels very like brand aligned with this conversation very. Um, because it's really like based in like, what the heck are we doing over here? And like, yeah. what are we talking about? And are we focused on the right things? And we like, what's the stuff we need to burn down? What do we need to shift and what can we learn from outside the nonprofit sector? So it's funny. A lot of people say like, I'm not in the nonprofit sector, but I really love your podcast. And because it's really about expertise primarily from outside of the sector, but related to our deepest moments of vulnerability, because that's what yeah. fundraising is like fun. And that's, that's how I actually got into this work was I was coaching women on deep moments of vulnerability in their personal and professional lives, not related to fundraising, but I was fundraising at the same time when I first became an executive coach. And all of a sudden I was like, whoa, my biggest moments of vulnerability in my life are in these donor meetings. Why That's is there amazing. no coaching for that? Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Pain point, right? Uh, yeah. Like, Wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> I feel like there's something here. So, um, yeah, so that, I mean, that's really what I focus on. I primarily work with folks through my um, course, which is called the power partners formula, which is really like a synthesis of executive coaching fundraising strategy, habit and behavior change work and design thinking. Um, so it's kind of this fusion of different frameworks to really help fundraisers feel um, embodied and emboldened in the way that they get to show up and aligned with the work that they're doing so that they get to really own the fact that like they are doing incredible work that they should be so proud of every single day. Um, and so, and really helping sort of build the resilience also around some of just the natural rejection that does come from being a part of this and create space for them to say the really hard things. Like I thought I was going to vomit before that meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh, and be amazing. surrounded by other people who yeah. can cheer them on and support them and just be a community because it's so isolating often in um in in those moments of vulnerability. And we all know that when we have a sense of community built around them, it can just be game changing. So that they can find out more if folks are interested in that at malloryerickson.com backslash power partners um, and come listen to what the fundraising and join me there. The podcast is like my um just passion project. I it feel is. Like in so many ways. It um, is. It was, and, and you're so right of not being in the fundraising world. It, I just, it's fascinating to hear the different stories. So, and I think with this podcast as well, we're going to have to listen to it twice because you dropped a lot of good knowledge on both sides, which is exactly what I wanted. So I so appreciate you. Thanks for showing up for us today. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. I'm really grateful. Thank you. Hey, make sure to check out Mallory's podcast. You'll see all of her links in the show notes. And pro tip, this episode pairs very nicely with the previous Shit We Don't Talk About episode called When Helping Doesn't Help. 
If you like this episode, please do all the things. Subscribe, give it a like, heart, thumbs up, follow, whatever, and leave a review, especially if it's a good one. If you really like the podcast and you want to show it, head on over to shitwedonttalkaboutpodcast.com, click on the patrons button, and become a full-time supporter of the podcast. And if you want your very own podcast, but you don't know where to start, go to helix-interactive.com and get yourself some. Tell them that Mia sent you. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Bye.